Welcome. It is time, my sweet children, gather round for Movie Mastery in theaters now. I am your host, John, and as always, with me is your other host, Jeff. Hello. We went and saw the movie in theater that you voted for. This month was real fucking close by, like, a vote. And yep, yep, yep. I was honestly a little worried that we might have to go see a horror movie. I do not like horror movies, but on the other hand, the alternative was, you know, what we did go see, mm. which was Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Wait, what What do we see? Are you Are you saying the movie was so terrible it made you say Mamma Mia? Mamma Mia. <laughs> Mamma Mia. We saw an Italiano movie. Mamma Mia. We saw Here We Go Again. So, yeah, we had to see Mamma Mia too. Here hey, we. It's not two. It's just Mama Mia. Here we go again. Mama two, Mia two, Electric Boogaloo two. <laughs> two Mama, two Mia. <laughs> Mama Mia the second. Ah yes, we saw the the fast and the Mia, <laughs> the fast and the streeps. So Mama Mia, t- uh, here we go again. Yep, there we go. We saw that. Now this is interesting because I have not seen. Mamma Mia, and Jeff has seen Mamma Mia. <laughs> Not only have I seen Mamma Mia, but I saw Mamma Mia for the first time recently, as in within a month of, or so. Ooh. Uh, it was on Netflix, and uh, I passed through while the girlfriend was watching it, and I, I tried to casually dismiss it with a wave of one hand and move on with my day, but something about it pulled me in. I had to sit there and hate it for about a, you know about 90 minutes. Yeah, there you go. That, and then... And then I was like, ew, why did I do that? I feel dirty. <laughs> so I went into this movie completely in the dark. Well, not completely. I mean, through just sort of the cultural osmosis, I pretty much knew what the first movie was about. I mean, this is a thing that makes me feel horrible, John, but the first Mamma Mia was from 2008. It is a 10-year-old movie. Yeah. that's It's been 10 years between these sequels. I mean, that's... My first reaction when I saw that there was going to be another Mamma Mia is I was like, but they, they did like that. They, they definitely finished the story. Like, that's not, that's not a thing where you're like, but I was left hanging. There and back again. A Mamma Mia journey. <laughs> like, this isn't like The Hobbit where you need three films. <laughs> yeah, you definitely have to full spread out the hobbit to really let that story expand all 104 pages of it (laughs) (laughs) because otherwise how are you really going to have room to stuff stephen colbert into that movie and also a guy who dresses in drag with fake orange boobs so he can try and escape from a battle yeah how are you going to possibly fit that in unless you give us three whole movies how are you going to add uh (laughs) what's her name uh as as a new elf just so she can fall in love with one of the dwarves because none of the dwarves look like dwarves yay yeah, that's you need all three movies, but here I thought I thought one and done would work for Mamma Mia. <laughs> You'd think that, and yet I can't. Evangeline Lilly, man, that's been killing me for some reason. The name that was popping up in my head, and this is just going to date me, is Linda Evangelista. That's very weird. That's a model from the early nineties. <laughs> See, now <laughs> the problem I had was I was going to say the name, mm-hmm. but then in my head I swapped it. And then also changed it a little bit so that it was Lily Evangeline. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I yeah. was like, okay, I don't know why why I would do that. And I couldn't swap it back in my head. Like, she's, anytime I opened my mouth to say it, I was like, nope, it's going to come out like that. And she's deserving of our respect. I mean, she was Kate 
and she is the goddamn wasp. I know. Uh, we have to go back. So, so sorry about that, uh, Evangeline Lilly and Linda Evangelista, and I don't know some other models from the early '90s. Iman, I'll just throw you in there too. Just toss them in. Yeah, why not? So, uh, so yeah. The, yeah, what do you think? Uh, man, non-spoiler review of this movie is if you are a huge ABBA fan, like. To the point where you know the ABBA B-sides. There's a lot of ABBA B-sides in this movie. There really are. Like, the the number of times in this film where an ABBA song would start, and I'd be like, oh, I know this one, versus the number of times I'd be like, oh, I guess that must be an ABBA song. Yeah, it, I, there was a, so many songs where I was like, I'm gonna take your word that this is an ABBA song. That could have been anything. Are you sure that's not from Cats? Like, you could have just pulled this song out of your ass, and I would not know. <laughs> it's true. Actually, the, the Cats brings up an interesting thing about the history of this. Uh, did you know that the first Mamma Mia was based on a Broadway stage performance? I did. And so that makes this a movie, a sequel to a movie that itself was based on a stage performance. There is no Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, the stage musical. Exactly. So this is... This is but really as treading soon on as some... this gets uh, some decent money, mm-hmm. then you know that there's going to be a "Here We Go Again" oh, stage. God, production. you're right, and they're probably going to get like one actor to be willing to show up, even though they didn't have any songs. <laughs> It'll probably be you know like Bill Skarsgård or whatever, and he's just going to be like, uh, "I'm here, I'm here, I don't do it." And hello, hello, everybody, hello. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. If you really like ABBA, then don't see this movie. <laughs> It will ruin ABBA. If you really like ABBA covers, and you also really are familiar with a lot of deep-cut ABBA stuff, then this might be the right movie for you. Yeah. If you're some really old person who needs a walker but still sits like five rows up, because that's who that's who we saw this with. That's The entire theater was was elderly folks, and it was actually my, my favorite theater-going experience I've ever been to. Yeah, because no, one, no made, one said anything. No one made any noise. No one ate anything. <laughs> it was spectacular. The noisiest person in the theater was John. The noisiest person in the theater was you. Was I noisy? Oh, that's right. I had a, I had a cough halfway through. Yeah, that's I got right. some stuff way down in my throat. But then again, I was hearing you breathe. <laughs> I could big, hear you breathe. You, your big, porky breaths. <laughs> 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 so... I have to do so much work to get those off these recordings. <laughs> you guys don't know it, but John breathes like Leatherface. <laughs> well, I breathe like Friday the 13th. I just take in a breath and then... <laughs> I breathe like a John Carpenter synth score. <laughs> yeah, like that. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so uh, no spoiler review, John. No spoiler review. It's inoffensive but boring. (laughs) It's extraordinarily boring. There's a part near the end where it cuts to a white screen for a couple of seconds, and I was like, thank God. Oh, I could (laughs) hear you when it continued. Just go, ugh. (laughs) Yeah, it was the other noisiest thing in the theater. (laughs) We have, oh, God, there's another number. No, pass. No, no, why? No. (laughs) You neatly wrapped it up. Stop. It was done. You finished. <laughs> there was time now. <laughs> time for me to leave. Uh, it is very boring. Yeah. It's, I mean, but so inoffensive, which is why I understand why it's just a bunch of old people there who's like, I don't like these modern films, but this is fine. It's all old people. Even the previews were boring and for old people. It's almost like they just, this is just from the boring for old people genre. Yeah. Yeah, because like the the, first, the two previews you saw were one of them was, let's take the Neil Armstrong astronaut story and kind of... Make it a super heavy drama where his wife turns into a, like a real go getter, 
And yeah. then also one where Steve Carell kind of like loses his memory and recreates it using dolls in his yard. Yep. And, and it was like, I don't want to see either of those, but I know who does. <laughs> well, they're really uh, playing to the audience here. Yeah, they sure were. So uh, there you go. Yeah, we're uh, going to do a little music. Maybe it might be ABBA. Is there a, is there a Me First in the Gimme Gimme's ABBA cover? Because this would be the time for I it. I really hope there is. If not, there's got to be a Richard Cheese. If not, then I'll just use some other band. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be like, what music did you use for the Mamma Mia review? <laughs> Static oh. X. Oh, I, <laughs> I just threw some System of a Down in there. It'll be fine. All right. So we'll be back after this with a full, spoiler-full review of Mamma Mia. Here we go again. You're in the mood for a dance. And when you get the chance, you want a dancing queen, young and sweet, only 17. Hey, we're back. That's uh, great. Good, good return. Yeah, I was, I was uh, being told that I should come back with like ABBA lyrics, but yeah. that's garbage. Definitely for idiots. come back, and we should do some ABBA live on the mic, right, John? Some live ABBA. Some, It'll be. Some of that I mean, sweet, probably sweet at least better than Pierce Brosnan doing ABBA. <laughs> oh my god! I think in this movie they realized what that was like, and so they cut him down to like two oh. lines, kind of half spoken. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was like, hold on, we gotta. He's got to do something. Let's just have him like speak sing a couple lines and then we'll just cut away to someone else <laughs> that's real enough quick. of you that's enough out of you brosnan <laughs> that's enough of you so mamma mia <laughs> so the first spoiler you're going to get about this movie is i know they show a little bit of this in the tra- in the uh, trailers for it that there's like the young versions of the characters but that's all there is everyone in this movie who was in the last movie with the exception of safe read w- had about a week yeah the <laughs> The whole cast mm-hmm. from the first movie just sort of went, uh, I'm real busy. If we could wrap this up quick, I can do I could do like three scenes. Yeah. The only I, I'd say the only real exceptions are Amanda Seyfried and then uh, the Donna, the, the Meryl Streep character from the first movie's uh two friends yeah. who are Christine Baranski and Julie Walters, I think. Uh they they both were available for a couple of songs. Mm-hmm. Which is honestly a godsend because if there's one part of the first movie that was tolerable in the slightest, it was Christine Baranski. She's <laughs> she's fucking great, and and in the first movie, she was one of the only ones who had any theater training. Yeah, so so her ability to actually sing and perform was fantastic, and really kind of raised the film. Also, let me say the young Christine Baranski, like the young version of yeah, her, it, because the movie has young versions of everyone. Spot on. Yes, perfect. Actually, the young Julie Walters is really good too. Yeah, I mean. When it comes to the young version casting, most of it was good. It's never going to be possible to find a young Meryl Streep outside of Meryl Streep. Yeah, I was like, all right, well, you just sort of got someone. Yeah. You weren't really digging for who can be Meryl Streep but younger. They were kind of hoping that they had had Jodie Foster in the first movie so they could get Lily Sobieski for this one, but <laughs> but that that wasn't going to happen. They were stuck with Meryl Streep, who there's not another one of. Oh, so. it's, a, it's a real shame when your movie is stuck with Meryl Streep. <laughs> yeah. That's just the kiss of death. <laughs> Box office poison. <laughs> How does she keep getting worse? Well, this one's stuck with what, like forty-five seconds of Meryl Streep. Oh yeah. So, I yeah. Mean, again, movie starts. Big spoiler. 
Meryl Streep, very dead. Very dead. And and here's the thing. The first movie doesn't do much to tell you kind of when it's set. It's set on a Greek island and everyone dresses like 18th century Greek peasants except for Meryl Streep, who dresses like she's late for a, a, a taping of Romper Room. Like she knows <laughs> Meryl she- Streep dresses like she is the nerdy girl in a teen movie that's going to take off her glasses and let her hair down. Yeah, because she's wearing coveralls and a white button down it, yeah. every single time you see her. So there, it didn't really set the movie with any kind of uh, location. The only thing you knew in the first movie was that Amanda Seyfried's character, Sophie, was 25 years old. This movie gives us all of the details, and so on the walk home from the theater, we have established that... that we, had to, we had to do a, a timeline here yeah. based on what we got from this movie. And Meryl Streep's character, Donna, had to die at 50 or 51 years of age. Yeah, and it's around not, 50 years old. And we don't know how and we don't know why, but it's not addressed in the movie. She just died. No, no and, one was like, oh, it was real sad when my mother like died of cancer or got yeah. hit by a boat or anything. Yeah. Oh, a goat ate her something. We were hoping for some kind of a resolution because all of her old-ass friends, all of whom were way older than she is, are still kind of pottering around. Yeah. But she sure isn't. She, she kicked off and... The, it, shockingly young, and it's just not addressed. Nope. I, I think it's supposed to be... Oh, she wasn't shockingly young. After all, Meryl Streep, when she filmed the first one of these movies, was 59. Yeah. So the, her her character died younger than she was. <laughs> it's just... But okay. So, yeah, it opens on Sophie. Her mom is dead, and she is sending off invitations for a grand opening to the hotel. Uh, if you didn't see the first movie, then uh, it was all about how Meryl Streep owned a hotel. I mean, I sort of got that from... Context clues, mm-hmm. but I also, how far did they get? Because the whole point of this movie is uh, Sophie, her daughter, has fixed up this hotel to be very nice. Mm-hmm. So was it just like a shithole in the first movie? Or? Uh, it was being barely held together by spit and gumption. Okay. Uh, it was, but it was nice. It was nice. It was just that there were like cracks in the facade and stuff was the basic idea. Okay. Uh, and a lot of it was about how she needed to rekindle her romance with her old architect boyfriend. So he could, because he designed the hotel in the first place or something. Uh, I think. I, I don't even know. I don't know. Uh, so, okay. Because uh, certainly that isn't the case in this movie. I, I, I seem to remember Pierce Brosnan wandering around the previous movie saying, like, oh, yes, I definitely designed this hotel. Pierce Brosnan basically wanders around this movie just being like, oh, he- hello, I'm here. Good, uh, good day. Hello, puppets. Hello, like, oh, Pierce Brosnan! Ian McKellen looks five years younger than Pierce Brosnan does now. <laughs> uh, Pierce Brosnan in this movie looks like he drank from the wrong grail. <laughs> I won't say that. <laughs> I will. I'll be the mean one. How about I'm the bitch today, John? I mean, I'll definitely say that about Skarsgård, though. <laughs> Skarsgård's... I mean, there's an entire bit in this movie where a guy's like, damn, Skarsgård. You fucked up. You got old and it sucks for you. Yeah. There's a couple of bits about how Skarsgård ain't so good looking no mores. Yeah. <laughs> but all right. So um, so yeah, Sophie has apparently taken up the mantle of fixing her mom's old hotel in uh, her mom's absence and has, has arranged a grand opening, a grand reopening, uh, to which she's planning to invite absolutely everybody, a whole bunch of millionaires and journalists to see this hotel that's out on Kalokari Island in the middle of Greek, like the Greek Sea or something. I did not understand that. Like, I didn't realize that that was what was going on until like halfway through the movie when they specifically say like, "Oh yeah, there were going to be millionaires and like they kept saying whole... millionaires." Yeah, I don't. What? Why? 
Well, that's the thing about this movie is everything is the best. It's either the best thing ever or the worst thing ever. There's no in-betweens, mm. which is why when it cuts right to the young, you know, uh, 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 the young Meryl Streep character, Donna, she's like graduating valedictorian from Oxford. It's, yeah. not, it's not enough that she's graduating from Oxford. She's the valedictorian with a beautiful life ahead of her of, as a rich millionaire with a giant cool house that she has as a college student. Yeah, I... Okay, I mean, I get that apparently her mom is famous and a singer. She's some kind of glitzy Vegas singer, which again, by the way, I think the first movie was like, oh yeah, my mom is dead and she was never there for me. <laughs> this movie, we're like, no, that's not true. No, no, that's <laughs> that's not what's going to go down on this one. Yeah. But at least I can be like, okay, if you establish that yes, her mother is super rich, then I can get it. That's That's okay. That's fine. Yeah, but so I also there's money like, somewhere. Because the whole plot of this is like, what happens? Oh, someone who was graduating from Oxford that had a big house that they were living in with two of her friends, then goes on like a round Europe tour and then just ends up on some island somewhere and is able to survive, though she has no job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like she literally moves into what she thinks is an abandoned house. Because even at that point, we have to establish that, no, it's actually, you're not the one who's who's idly rich on this island. It's this random old Greek lady who owns that house but doesn't live in it and doesn't sell it. She just keeps a horse there. Yeah. That's, that's has an entire house for this one horse that she doesn't go to take care of. <laughs> what is going on? Everywhere you turn, everyone is rich. And it's it's never, other than the fact that Colin Firth is a banker, it's never explained why. Yeah. I mean, everyone is either rich or... Or that sort of noble poor where you're like, I am but a poor fisherman, but I am full of love. Yes, and also full of fancy clothing and, and can go in wherever I want whenever I would like to. <laughs> That's It's that kind of poor. Yeah, it's the kind of poor where you're like, oh, you're I'm, I'm so poor, but anyway, let's let's go on a vacation right now. It's that rich children of, white, uh, of rich white people uh. poor where you're like, like, oh, I don't have a job. Daddy has a job. <laughs> <laughs> I can only go to Switzerland for two weeks this year. Oh, that's that's what this that all is. But anyway, Seyfried's sending out these invitations to to all of her family. She writes grandma on one, but then to change her changes her mind and tears it up because grandma never goes anywhere, which is weird to me for I'm going to give you a couple reasons. Sure. One, it's weird that she would just rip it up instead of being like grandma never shows but I'll send it out anyway. I've already written it and have like a stamp on a letter. Mm hmm. The other thing is, the opening of this hotel is supposed to be taking place in, like, two days from when she sends out these invitations. And it's in the middle of friggin' nowhere. It's going to take two days for the boat to get them to Athens. Oh, yeah. I'm like, okay, there's a... They say in the scene where she's sending them out that, like, oh, you need to get to the mainland so this can get into the post today. Yeah. Even assuming that it does go out that day... You're talking about the Athens post office getting a letter to someone in, let's say, England within a day because then they would also have to make arrangements to fly down there and then get there. Well, John, the movie is clearly set, as I figured out through through math and dates given to us in this movie. This movie set in 2010, so presumably she just sent everyone evites months ago, and these things are just a formality. Oh, this is just a keepsake invitation. Yeah, it's a keepsake invitation. That's all these are. And she doesn't want to be the gauche person who hands out keepsake invitations to people as they arrive on the island. So she's getting them in the mail. It's one of the last things she's bothering with. 
Yeah, that's why I was really confused because they were like, oh, we're having our grand opening in two days. Better get these invitations out. I'm like, who are you expecting to show up if you're just inviting them now? Well, here's like, the other thing that bothers me is, you know, she gets on the phone to talk to the man that she marries at the end. That's her whole character arc in the first movie is two, uh, twofold. One of them is that she has three possible dads and she wants to figure out which one's her dad. Yeah, which my I, three dads. Which I'm sure was confusing you and you were like, okay, why are three of the letters that she's writing addressed to dad? No, that's part of the, the zeitgeist thing is I was like, what was the first movie about? Okay. It was about like who's the dad. Like, the other that's one, what I know about the first one. The other one is that she is planning her wedding to her already established fiance, Sky, who Dominic Cooper plays, and, uh, and so so that's a big thing in this one. So she's calling Dominic Cooper because he has taken on a training opportunity with the best hotel people in the world in New York for six weeks. Yeah, he's learning the hotel trade in New York. Which, what does that look like? I, what uh, all what I know is she gets paper a- ad. Are you responding to with? Come learn how to be a hotelier. Okay. I, I don't know. By the way, wait, while you're here, you'll stay in your own apartment that's a top corner penthouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of those, again, how is everyone this rich? Yeah. Like, the first movie was this way, too, because, you know, the whole movie is about how, uh, you know, Meryl Streep is keeping together this hotel out on a Greek island somewhere. But then you look at the the real estate, and you're like, oh, she's fucking filthy rich. <laughs> she's a, <laughs> She had the, the money to start and build this hotel, and now white people go there they're they're rich and decadent and, and stomping all over the locals and and she is rich beyond her wildest literally dreams. stomping all over the locals. Well, the first movie was worse than this one. The, the, this movie at least gave one of the local Greek people like some lines and stuff. Well, I mean, it was like, oh, there's a band here and we like the band and there's a woman who owns the house and a bar. Yeah, so these people get some lines. The first movie was Greek people are background elements. Oh yeah, they're they're window dressing for they're the window, first movie apparently. They're choruses. They're literal Greek choruses. If the those are needed. Ah! Nice. <laughs> so, so that's all they get to do in that movie. In this movie, at least they get a couple of lines, I guess. But okay, so she is sending them out. She's checking all of the, she. Amanda Seyfried. Sadly, the bit of business they keep giving her in this movie is uh, fixing the clothes of Greek people. Yeah, that was. There's at least two songs where her like dance bit, where she's like, "I got to do some business while I'm singing an ABBA song," mm-hmm. is let me go around to my Greek servants and fix their shit. And I I'm like, I can't just tell them to. I'm just gonna walk up to them one by one and fiddle with their shit. You know, basically walking up to them like, "I'm your mom, and you didn't put your tie on right, and I've got to fix this for you, you ignorant child." Over and over again. Oh, it's the worst. But she's okay. She's on the phone with Sky, uh, Dominic Cooper, her her uh, boyfriend. By the way, I'm not even gonna bother listing the Abba songs that happen unless they're of note, because at this point we're three Abba songs deep, and I don't know what any of <laughs> I don't know what any of them are anyway. She's, I could not let you know any of these yeah so if you're hoping for a discography of the film you're shit out of luck i'll tell you when dancing queen happens because i know that one <laughs> but look we're gonna we're gonna tell you when dancing queen happens and when mama mia happens yeah. and that's it i mean i know fernando pretty well too so you've got that going to you well that's true yeah okay so uh, <laughs> the thing that bothers me is that my favorite abba song was not reused which is uh a, a give man me a af- man after midnight yeah, that song is rad yeah i was really hoping that would show up yeah and it it's, did it's, not. it's in the first one but it's in the first one in a really weird way <laughs> okay all right so so she's on the phone with sky and sky is sadly unwilling to uh you know be like he's kind of like oh there's one thing well what is it i better not say you know you'd better no i don't think i should but oh, it's but you should important. because you you are you're not saying it so you should say it 
So it turns out that the best hotel people in the world, because again, that's who he works with. I work with the best. He's basically the Trump in this, where he's like, I work with the best people, well, all yeah. the best hotels. Well, it's not even him. It's, it's Seyfried who says it. And it's funny because it's just shorthand all the way through the movie. Is we, don't need, we don't want any specifics. So it's just what hotel people are you working with? The best. Oh, the best. The best. The best. What's, the best. The best. Why can't Skarsgård be at the party? He's receiving an award for being the greatest Swede in the history of, of, of Sweden. <laughs> Oh, okay, sure. Why? Sure. Why isn't Colin Firth here? Oh, he's doing bank business. He's doing a banks. bank thing, which will make his bank the biggest bank. Great. <laughs> That's like literally. It's once he finishes the contract in Tokyo, he will have the biggest bank. Yeah. Why? Why? Why aren't you coming to my opening? I have to business. I, I businessed to- <laughs> real hard today. <laughs> I had to do business transactions. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but here's the thing that bothers me. Even if Sky had been offered a job to stay in New York indefinitely, which is going to be a point of contention through about two thirds of the movie, it, we have already established that both that Sky and Bill Skarsgård's character and Colin Firth's character can't be there. Why are we? Why aren't we moving it? It's it's her grand reopening. Just set it whenever the hell you want. Well, if it's a three day change, make the three day change. And again, it it was confusing even more because of that whole send invitations out. Because I'm like. Okay, if you're just sending them out now, then it means you could just decide, well, fuck it, we'll do it later. I know. She already knows exactly when everyone is available. So it's weird that she was like, eh, I don't need my husband for this. Oh, yeah. And she knows in advance that it's literally just that day that she's opening. It's, what is it? Oh, Skarsgård's getting the award on that day. That the day. merger for this bank is going forward on that day. If you said it literally the next day, it would be fine. Except that that isn't true because the day before we can see Colin Firth working on contract negotiations and Bill Skarsgård deciding not to stick around at that award show. Just So, so uh, the timeline of the movie makes very little sense. It's very true. Anyway, the two of them sing a duet from a far distance because, uh, you know, Dominic Cooper was only available for a couple of days, and that means he's pretty much going to work out of this one set. Also, Dominic Cooper can not sing. No, he's not very good, is he? Uh, it, they are very good for each other as people, though, because both of them, you could squarely put a ruler between their eyes, and it wouldn't touch either one. <laughs> Uh, just both a lot of, the, of hammerhead sharking going Both of the mutant hammerhead sharks. It's yeah. true. It's terrifying once you really... Th- Amanda Seyfried, we were talking about this on the walk back. This is the thing I think is actually what happened with Amanda Seyfried. If the Monster Factory YouTube show jailbroke a regular character creator and took someone's human beauty scale and slid it way past the maximum. Uh, like They're like, well, what, what do people like about humans? Oh, big eyes? Okay, we'll give her fucking huge, enormous, crazy eyes. Okay, well, what about uh, distance? Really far apart. Okay, sure, they're like a foot and a half apart. Great. (laughs) High cheekbones. They go above her eyes. (laughs) Tiny little mouth. I love that the picture you are painting for me is absolutely terrifying. (laughs) That picture is basically like a talking Dorito. Yeah. Which she is not. She's... It's... It's... She has kind of an unearthly elfy beauty, but but there's a scene, there's a part during this song that they're singing about how they're both kind of hurting each other and being lonely, where she lies down and the camera looks at her sideways, like you know the, as she's yeah. lying down on a, on a pillow, and it's horrific. <laughs> like her face is not meant to be turned at a ninety degree angle. Her eyes are so far apart; it looks like you're looking at a wall of ancient hieroglyphs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Otherwise, spectacularly beautiful. Yeah, sure, sure, great. Yeah, so pushing forward. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the uh, the whole thing with this is she's trying to get everything ready, but the actual main plot of this isn't about the opening of this hotel. It's really about her mother Donna's story of how she got 
to the island and got pregnant in the first place. Yeah, this could have been called Mamma Mia Godfather 2. And it, it would have been it made sense because that's what it is. I was like, this is just a prequel. Like that's mm-hmm. all this is, and that's the big secret of the of the trailers is that the vast majority of time in this movie is given over to Lily James as young Meryl Streep. Yeah, uh, and and her the erotic adventures of her, uh, <laughs> the erotic adventures of Lily James. Yeah, who I'll watch her erotic adventures any day. Don't get me wrong, but okay, nineteen seventy nine. Oxford, England. She is graduating, and she is late to her own graduation. Late to her own graduation is the valedictorian, and her valedictorian oh speech, her speech is, hey guys, we're graduating from Oxford. Isn't what that I've, crazy? What I've learned here is the things that really matter are friends, and the the stuff that happens when you don't expect it. And I'm like... That's not what you say when you graduate <laughs> Oxford University as a valedictorian. Yeah, you're not like, you know, guys, I had a good four years here at Oxford, but the most crazy thing I did was get stoned beneath the bleachers. The crazy shit that happens between the margins when you skip classes. Yeah, this was like the valedictorian of the shittiest community college is what this speech was. This was like, and your graduating speaker, Jeff Spicoli. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, she interrupts her own graduation valedictorian speech to yell, hit it, and someone presses a button on a boombox that is very clearly not a 1979 boombox. Lol. And then I, I kissed the teacher place. Which, yeah, which, <laughs> never heard of that one. I, I was familiar with it, and I was like, I was cringing the moment it started, because I was like, ew, this song had gross implications in the first place. Yeah. At least in this case, it's like, I kissed this old lady teacher. Yeah, at least that was what was happening here. Yeah. Instead of the, as you say, <laughs> the the implication. That's not one of my favorite ABBA songs. <laughs> so she sings that, and wouldn't you know it, her two bre- best friends, whose names I don't remember, but they are Christine Baranski and, and Julie Walters, but the young versions of them. <laughs> the young versions of those two. Come marching up in matching ABBA suits, and then they do a dance song number that takes them through a pastoral British town. And everyone in this graduating Oxford class on board everyone's 100 percent on that, board that's just that's just standard magical musical nonsense oh i know there's the, I, I can't take fault with that there's the other things thing, though was all of the students that were graduating 100 percent on board yeah no one else on board there was yeah the parents were like what <laughs> yeah half of the auditorium gets up and follows lily out and they go like on a bicycle ride to a lake mm-hmm. but the rest of the parents are just sitting fucking stunned Going, what? Oh, shit. Did we just spend 180,000 pounds each to send our children to musical camp? Is this is this what my child was taught here? <laughs> God damn it. I expected them to be in, in uh, British government by next year. They were supposed to sit parliament. <laughs> and yet instead, instead, each one of them is going to be in a high school musical ripoff. Uh, so, yeah, I, the only person who's on board is the teacher who the, the titular teacher what was kissed. Yeah. Because she goes that gets up and does a fun dance number two, hooray! Uh, and then we cut from that to I don't know. There's a lot of interplay back and forth between Amanda Seyfried looking wistfully out of beautiful Greek vistas and Lily James running around having life adventures. So let's just assume that we can tell one story or the other as as needed, and not worry about the chronology. Yeah. So Seyfried spends most of her time mildly teary eyed throughout this film for as, various reasons. You know, she'll go visit like Pierce Brosnan and be like. Oh, one of my fathers, you know, she would have loved to have been here, and it's a shame she can't, and oh, I'm so, like, slightly teary-eyed, and Pierce Brosnan gets to be like, yes, well, 
She's always with us in spirit. And now I'm going to not quite sing a little bit of the beginning of a song. Yeah. And then we'll cut to something. Yeah, he, he starts singing a little ABBA song and looks at some great pictures of Lily James on a boat. And he's like, oh, oh, I'm oh. quite sad. Oh, I remember back when I got to look at Lily James in a bikini. Yeah, in a 1970s denim bikini, which is honestly rad. <laughs> Uh, okay, so See, I didn't think it was denim. To me, it looked like it was like yarn. I think it was maybe faux denim. Uh, I have seen Perhaps. a yarn. I have seen a yarn bikini precisely once in my life, <laughs> and it was worth seeing because someone tried to dive into waves with it. That seems like it would be a bad choice. It is a bad choice, and I did eventually retrieve it. <laughs> <laughs> Although it was no longer clothing of any description, and instead a towel escorted her home. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, uh, what, what's happening here is. Uh, we cut to the beautiful giant penthouse apartment of Donna and the Dynamos, which is young Meryl Streep and uh, and her two friends, because they have a little girl band that they, they do. I honestly can't tell if their band is supposed to be real or if it's part of the magical musical realism. I genuinely do not know. I think it's supposed to be a thing they had, mm-hmm. and that was an actual thing. Did that ever come up in the first movie, is my question. They did some songs, and they called themselves Donna and the Dynamos, but okay. they never talked about their past, so you, you didn't get a sense of whether or not they were ever a, a practicing band. Okay. Uh, That's oh, fine. Yeah. So, they're all in some huge penthouse in, on, in the tallest building in England, apparently, because <laughs> because everything you see in the distance is just pastoral little flats, but they're in some posh apartment. Yeah. And uh, Lily James is like, well, my mother did not show up. But and, and this this scene pretty much establishes a pattern that this movie is going to use Broadway dialogue. Yeah. Because she's like, she never showed up. Who never showed up? My mother. Well, she never shows up for anything. She doesn't, and I should punish her, and that's why I'm going to a place. A place? It's almost like Brian Michael Bendis wrote this. <laughs> uh, yeah. A, a little bit. Uh, so, okay. Uh, it's, a, it's a little bit of West Wing walking and talking. Kind of, yeah. So it's established that her mom is not the same mom from the first movie, but rather a glam Vegas singer who never goes anywhere. Yeah. And doesn't have any attachment to motherhood or whatever. No, it's just, oh, she just wants to be famous and in the limelight. Now, since I saw the first movie and connected it to this movie, my first thought was, they've cast someone. Oh, yeah. Well, the second that she was going to send out a thing and ripped it up and went, oh, grandma never shows up for anything, I was like, well... Can't wait for Grandma to show up then, because you can't do that without it being a thing. In my head, there were like it was like one of three people it could be, and the, one of them was like uh, one of those three people was one of the two mem- female members of ABBA. Oh, I was like, okay, oh one yeah, of, that's who I thought it was going to be. Yeah, one of the actual members of ABBA is going to show up and get to do a number or something. Yeah, and then I also had uh, I think like Eartha Kitt or something, and then and then Cher. Huh. I was like, it's, it's probably, sh-. and sure enough, it's fucking Cher. Yeah, so we'll, well, we'll get mean, that at the very end. The very end, Cher gets to show up. Let me tell like, you, oh, look, it's it's weird that in a modern age of CGI, they went for animatronics for putting Cher into their movie. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, she has the range of motion of one of those Hall of Presidents dolls at Disneyland. Good lord, <laughs> she is That's a bitch today, John. I'm sorry. Uh, you are quite a sassy bitch right now (laughs) but for real though it did like when she first steps out i immediately thought because she had like ridiculously platinum bleach blonde hair and giant glasses my first thought with her and the the outfit she's wearing was wait a minute are they casting lady gaga as grandma they cast lady gaga as Cher as grandma <laughs> that's pretty much what it looked like it, it does you're not wrong she, lady gaga put it could have played that role yeah and it would have been fine 
Because Cher looks like someone, she like went to someone and said, I need you to either make up or surgery me until I look like Lady Gaga. Pretty much. It looks like, Cher looks like Count Elizabeth Bastori or whatever her name is. Bathory. Bathory, thank you. That's because she looks like she's covered in virgin blood and milk. <laughs> Same. <laughs> so anyway, that's that's for way later, though. We don't need to worry about it. But uh, basically, Lily James is like, well, I'm going to go off and see the world before I settle down for whatever free, rich job I'm sure I have lined There's, up for me already. I've heard about some island, and if you go there, people thought you you fall off the world. That sounds great to me. Yeah, and, and her friends are like, well, that means you're going to leave us here. And she goes, no, I'll never leave you here. And then they cut to a shot of her leaving them there. Yeah, and then immediately cut to her getting on a plane and being like, bye. Bye, goodbye forever. No, thank you. I mean, and- it's a musical number for her getting onto a thing, of course. But yes, absolutely. Still. Uh, so she basically starts her practice of going to the biggest and most expensive building anywhere she possibly can because she cuts right into one of the be- most beautiful buildings in France, in Paris. Yep. Turns around, there's the, there's the Eiffel Tower. Uh-huh. And then she walks into a big old fancy-ass hotel, which, wouldn't you know it, the moment she walks inside the building, she's in a little cheap hotel. Yeah. It's, what is this? Oh, the most ridiculously fancy-looking, beautiful architecture that you could imagine. And she walks in, and it's like a shitty little hotel with a ring of keys on the wall. And And no clerk. Yeah, a bell that you ring, and no one is there, and it's like a rundown little clerk center. Mm Mm-hmm. So at this point, she tries ringing the bell a bunch of times. Nothing happens. So she, I guess she decides to just walk around to the other side to look at keys. Probably try like and find her own. she was just going to grab a key and take a room. Yeah. Maybe she had reservations and she was just going to find her room or something. I don't know. But who, it's 1979. Who knows how hotel reservations work? Anyway, while she's behind the counter, I'm going to... John, this is... You, you're, you and me are in the same place on this. This is not young Colin Firth. No. What happens is a young Bill Nighy shows up. <laughs> yes, a young Welsh Bill Nighy comes stomping down the stairs in a bathrobe. And, like, he tries to speak French because he thinks that she works there and mm-hmm. it's bad. But once he actually starts talking English to her, I'm like, oh, I haven't seen the first movie. I know that there are three dads and one of them is Pierce Brosnan. Obviously, this isn't Pierce Brosnan. This is obviously young Bill Nighy. So Bill it's Nighy. weird that Bill Nighy would be one of the dads. Yeah, that is unusual that they would choose that. Did he have the octopus makeup on? Like, <laughs> it just seemed very strange that that would be a selection you would make. But I was on board because I was like, this guy is spot fucking on. I couldn't decide between Bill Skarsgård, Pierce Brosnan, and Davy Jones. <laughs> So, so yeah, a young Bill Nye comes down the stairs and speaks some halting French, and then they go on a fun walk together after the whole getting, o- getting over, uh, let's get to know you b- bit is established. Yeah. And this, this starts my huge complaint with the film. I have, I have a literal beef with this movie. I have literal beef with based, it. Based on the one outside. There's a steak. Here's, yeah, I've got some T-bone. I've got some ground chuck with this movie. Because aside from Christine Baranski's song and, and general performance in the first movie, there was only one thing that I found tolerable or enjoyable throughout the entire rest of the film. And that is a scene where Meryl Streep waxed rhapsodically about why she fell in love with the three dudes. And they do this by showing the three of them uh, posing, like it's video shots of them posing, in makeup that is what they looked like when they were younger. Uh-huh. So, so it's supposed to be like, here are shots of 
them when I fell in love with them. Yes, but they use the same actors, so they just kind of put them in makeup, and it's fun and funny to look at, right? Yeah. So it's a good ha-ha, let's put these old guys into young people clothes. Exactly, and it's adorable. So, you know, going down the line, Pierce Brosnan is dre- looks like Frank Zappa. Like, they give him that huge squared-off bracket of a mustache and the, huh. and the big beard dash underneath it. He, he, and he looks, and he's got the long, curly hair and the headband. He is a Frank Zappa type, right? Okay. And then you've got Bill Nye, who's done as a straight-up, like, Nordic metalhead. <laughs> like, like long hair in his eyes and down. You and, mean Skarsgård. Uh, Skarsgård, thank you. Skarsgård's all covered in, in, in and he's got, like, uh, you know, tattoos and shit. He's wearing, like, a metal metal vest. And he, in the movie, he describes it that he had metal tattoos on his knees. Uh, and then Colin Firth is straight up done as a Johnny Rotten-style Ramones fan. Okay. Like, he's got... Uh, spiked up, dark, but basically Billy Idol uh, uh, haircut. He's got, and he's wearing a big old leather jacket covered in rivets and shit. And he's got like dark eyeliner and, and the whole works. He's done as a, as, as a straight up 80s Brit punk. Okay. So I was really looking forward to seeing characters who played these roles in a 1979 fashion to the T. But instead, what we get is a guy who straight up walked out of high school musical. Well, all three of our young actor versions of these people are none of that. They are all just, what are you? I'm generically attractive. I'm a bland, hot 2018 model. Do you have any sort of personality at all? Oh, no. We are completely interchangeable. In fact, at one point, I confused one of them with a different one. (laughs) So did I. I was like... Oh, wait a minute. I thought you left the Colin Firth guy behind. Oh, no, wait. That's the guy who's playing uh, Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. I've completely <laughs> lost it because you all look just generically handsome. They all look like they were just on seasons of Glee that no one bothered watching. It's like, what are you doing? Uh, we're all wearing nice designer jeans and a button-down shirt. It's like, None of us have any sort of fashion sense. And, isn't it, and all of them have 2018 haircuts. Yes. Not a one of them looks like it's 1979. No. Which is such a disappointment. That's why I've got some serious beef. Like, I would have loved it if this guy had come straight down and he was like, dark Billy Idol. Yeah, if he had come down and been that way, I would have been like, oh, that's interesting. Because then when you see him turn into, like, Colin Firth, you go, ah, the ravages of time. Yeah, they should even give Colin Firth, like, the stuff where his ear gauges haven't quite gone back up normally. Like, the the whole deal. But anyway, this charming, boring, handsome dude and her go on a walk, and then they sit down for dinner. Uh, and he starts launching into a speech about why she should fuck him. Yeah. Like, straight up. That's that's his pitch. God damn. The fact that he was like, look, I've known you for less than a day, and I've got a proposition. Why don't you fuck me? And I'm like, whoa! <laughs> oh, buddy. She was, he was all, hey, you, let's fuck. And she was like, them's fucking words. <laughs> <laughs> and then, indeed, they did. So, but yeah, it's, it's annoying, because she's like, well, I don't really. I'm not that kind of woman. And what, what do you what do you propose? And he was like, "Well, you're leaving tomorrow." And and honestly, I need someone to take my virginity, which she sees as you know endearing and not horrific. I guess it's because you know in 1979 she hadn't seen the internet. Yeah, but the fact that he's like, "Hey, we should sleep together tonight," she reacts with, "What the fuck are you talking about?" And his counter is, "Oh, but I've never had sex before." Let's do it. Yeah. And, and she's, she's like, yeah, all right. Well, she kind of goes, eh. And then he goes, ah, I have a secret weapon. This ABBA. Is a, ABBA. <laughs> you see, this is a musical. And so he sings fucking Waterloo. Yeah, which is one of the few songs where I was like, oh, I know that one. Yeah, Yay. oh, Waterloo's playing. At least it's fun to listen to. And the nice thing about the Waterloo routine is at least the whole song is almost done as like a Monty Python thing where they're doing sight gags the whole time. Yes. Like heads on plates and 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 water and Napoleon costumes stomping around in the background. And it's all very charming and fun to watch. Yeah, that was, for me, probably the best 
musical number that they did was that one. Well, yeah, given that the other really big songs were all just done to generic people dancing in the distance. Yeah. Like, when they do Dancing Queen, it's just a bunch of dancing people on a boat. Yep. Nope. <laughs> all the rest of them, you're just like, oh, okay. All right, sure. That looks like tourism photography. Yeah. Hooray. Oh, gee. This looks like an ad for Carnival Cruise. <laughs> just trying to think of a cruise line. <laughs> and you're right, it does. It's so, okay. So she sleeps with him. And he does the whole charmingly British befuddled thing, because I guess Hugh Grant wasn't in the first movie, but he was there in spirit. <laughs> and, and yeah, the spirit of Hugh Grant possessed <laughs> that's, this that's movie right. briefly. In my mind, this movie had Hugh Grant and Jodie Foster in it so far. <laughs> in my mind, this movie is <laughs> Bill Nighy, Hugh, Hugh Grant, Grant Jodie Jody Foster, Foster, Sophie B. Hawkins bringing that big <laughs> lesbian energy. <laughs> uh, yeah, the <laughs> so she just leaves and was like, oh, well, thanks for... Thanks for shooting and leaving. I'm gonna, I'm gonna head out now. <laughs> Peace and goodbye. Thanks for the dick. Uh, and so she leaves to <laughs> so long. And thanks for all the dick. I, I think she flies to Greece, where she meets the the fun actor that the, the dude playing the like Greek, Grecian gate guard. Yeah, the the young version of the guy who like stamps your passport to go on the ferry to the island. Yeah, which is weird because you're already in Greece and it's a Greek island. I don't know why they would be looking at your passport. But whatever. I, I guess maybe because you could be going to something that's not technically a Greek island. You could be going to like Cyprus or something. I, I, I don't know. I, anyway, uh, there's a passport guy there, and he looks at her passport, and he starts the bit that he's going to do for the whole movie, which is awesome, which is tell people that their hair looks better when it's short. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, he's, uh, your hair got longer. Yeah, I, I guess it did. Mm, I like it better short. Yeah, and he, just, <laughs> he does that for the whole movie, and it's the best bit that the movie has going for it. Uh, okay, so... But she misses the uh, the ferry that she needs to catch to Kalokari Island or whatever. Uh, when and, and there's a whole bunch of clothes falling out of her suitcase as she runs along, including a yarn bikini. Yeah, that's where that was. There was one of those. It's not what she wears in the movie, but it's in the. It, it oh, is it's in the, definitely there. It's there. You see it. You just don't see her put it on. Uh, but coming along to pick up the pieces behind her is young, hot, blonde Swedish Bill Skarsgård. Yep. Uh, except of course he's just a generic 2018 hot guy. Yep. Don't worry about that. And, you know, they find out, oh, he's got a boat. So she's like, well, if only there was a man here that could take me on a boat. And he's like, I'll take you on my boat, you wink. Know you know what's weird is that all of the opening lines from these guys, like all three of them, are a double lie situation. Where in, in uh, Col- young Colin Firth's or young Bill Nye's situation, he's like, uh, uh, I want you to take my virginity for you. See, I am, I, I'm afraid I'm terribly a virgin. And she goes, really? And he goes, no, that's just something I say to make myself appear more endearing. I mean, yes, of course I'm a virgin. Yes. And, and that kind of double, triple lie thing is exactly what Skarsgård does, where he's like, oh, you should come join me on this boat. Oh, you have a boat? No, I just got on here to try and impress you. Oh, oh no, I, it actually is my boat. It's actually my, It's like they just use the same routine. <laughs> hey, man, God. if it works once. <laughs> but if it works once, what are they? What, are they friends on the air? It's 1979. This, this bit isn't spreading around somehow. No, this, is, this was in... <laughs> this some, is, some journal of opinion was like the best way to pick up a like touristy American in Europe mm-hmm. who clearly just finished four years at Oxford is to do a double lie situation thing at them. Just, yeah. It's almost like the writers just couldn't think of better pickup routines, and so they did that three times in a row. Yep. Uh, but anyway, he gives her a ride on his boat with, you know, the obvious expectation that that's, that's boned down. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's how that works. If, if I'm taking you on a boat to an island, obviously we are going to bone down in the time it takes to get there. Which, how However, long is that ferry ride? I was going to say, 
considering normally you take a ferry there, I'm like, man, you really are confident that you're like, oh yeah, in the, like maybe two hours it takes to get to this island, I will seduce and well, fuck you. It's funny because the first thing he does is walk her below decks and be like, yeah, this boat has two beds. Sadly, one of them is covered with garbage. And she'd be like, yeah, but I could like see the island. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> That's unfortunate. Anyway, I'll be above deck for the next hour and a half before we get there. <laughs> Let me know when we get there. Never mind. I'll know when we get there. I will gauge it as it gets closer and larger in our field of vision. <laughs> I, I have seen Sesame Street, and I know the difference between near and far. This is not a two-day journey, Christopher Columbus. <laughs> okay. Keep it in your pants, Magellan. This ain't going to take that long. <laughs> so so anyway, he's down. Or they, he sings a musical number at her. Yeah, uh, they some, have a they have a little musical number. Yeah, something about how he's uh, the kind that he's because she gives in order to set up this musical number, she has to suddenly give a speech about how there are two kinds of seducers. Yeah, and he's like there. She's like, there's the kind of seducer that doesn't even like women, and then there's the kind who loves women, but then later on will leave the women because he doesn't want to be with them anymore. But he makes it their fault when they do. And I was like, what about the ones who seduce you because they want like to be with you and stay with you and stuff? What, just, that, no, that, that's, that's not a seducer. That's not a seducer. <laughs> okay, no. that's all it is. So there are two kinds of jerks, basically, is the theory that she has. Oh yeah, the ones who are like I what that only want power over you, or the ones who genuinely love you, but then leave and say, "Oh, oh, it's me that's in pain. You're too bright for me." Yeah, and so he sings a little song, uh, and they they fall in love, but they do not fuck. <laughs> it's. Uh, they are cock-blocked by... Alessio. A, a stranded fisherman. A stranded little Greek fisherman who is big trying, old muscles. Trying to get to his love before she marries a big fat banker with a mole. Yeah. There's a dude with a thick Greek accent stuck in like a, a motorboat that's broken. And he's like, please, you must take me to Karokari Island. I will... My, my wife... Uh, 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 my wife? Uh, Ap- Apollonia is going to marry a fat banker. And, and, you know, it's all a fun routine. Uh, but it's funny because it leads to the most anachronistic thing anyone says, which is, you know, when, when uh, he, they finally agree to tow, it in, tow him all the way to Calicari, it's, Amanda, or it's Lily James, young Meryl Streep, saying, oh, we are definitely doing this in, in like, a, the most 2000s way. So, anyway, they tow him to the island. He jumps off the boat and tries to swim to Apollonia, his lady love, who luckily was getting married on the water, apparently. Yeah, and she sees him, and she jumps off after him, and oh boy. And they neither of them can swim. <laughs> Good, and they are saved. Even though he when, is a Greek fisherman by trade. Yep. For some reason, he jumps off the boat and immediately is like, oh, oh God. And it's, it's funny, because even in the, theme, uh, the, the movie, it's like... Uh, the young Bill Skarsgård character is like, you don't have to jump off the boat. I can dock the boat. We're, we're, we're still <laughs> on a boat. I can get closer. I'm going the, to the dock anyway. That's the whole point of this journey. This is going to be longer for you. It'll take you longer to swim. And he's like, I am in love. And when you are in love, you are willing to die. Yeah, but <laughs> you don't have to. Yeah, is the point I'm trying to make. So that's fun. Um, it's it, a fun thing. It's a fun thing. And then, you know, he drops off young Meryl Streep on the island, young Donna. And uh, and he's like, I'll be back. I got a race. I'll be back in three weeks. I have a three-week race I have to do. And so she heads into this island, which for the first several minutes is completely uninhabited. Yeah, it was very strange because they have to do a whole thing where uh, Amanda Seyfried's character is going through the now renovated, super nice-looking hotel, mm-hmm. and they cut back and forth during a song uh, between that and what the original house was. 
which is this rundown shitty farmhouse that uh, the Donna is going through. So it's like, oh, let's watch as both of these people like look at these doors and in the past they were shitty and they'd fell apart and now they're beautiful and except it doesn't make any sense because the hotel isn't built yet in these in these background scenes it's just a, an old house on an island well it's a farmhouse it's an old and, farmhouse and, and they the, turned the farmhouse into a hotel i guess they just built a hotel around it they were like yeah. you know what's, you know what makes a good foundation for a hotel is an old farmhouse with no foundation yep that's that's the best thing you can possibly do well, the, the stairs that collapsed completely why we built them again yeah and by the way at this point back in Amanda Seyfried world uh Christine Baranski and Julie Walters have shown up uh and we get to see a couple of scenes with them which are always bright spots in the film it's true yeah uh they pop up and they get to meet uh, the Andy Garcia Garcia. who is amazing he's a great new character Sinfuegos yeah Senor Sinfuegos or Senor 100 Fires (laughs) yeah (laughs) he's great he's basically just what are you I'm the most interesting man in the world as a hotel caretaker yeah he's playing that as a hotel manager and it leads to the best line christine baranski's ever going to get in a movie ever which when f- she first sees him which is oh be still my beating vagina <laughs> it's not going to get better she should have just walked off the movie <laughs> and i'm done also have him washed and brought to my tent <laughs> honestly the entire thing with that was like 100 fires so what is that 50 for you and 50 for me I'll give you ninety ten. <laughs> yeah, the split on fires was. I love the two of them. So the two of them are basically vamping around the island as they are wont to do because they're old rich ladies. They're basically absolutely fabulous. Yeah, they they ab fab around the Greek island. Yeah, getting getting massages and eating cake and drinking wine. Yeah, uh, but basically they're there to comfort Sophie. Uh, and, and be nice to her. So they're walking around with her as she's walking through the hotel and remembering what her mom's journey must have been like. Yes. So let's get back to that because she's walking around a weird island all alone when all of a sudden a storm breaks just as young Bill Skarsgård said it would. <laughs> just like the old witch woman said. Just like the young sandy blonde Swedish hot heartthrob said. <laughs> so a storm <sighs> breaks out very suddenly and she is taking refuge in this farmhouse and there's a horse in it for There's some reason. There's just a there's a, a horse now the unattended beautiful horse. Not only am I like okay, no one is gonna just leave this very clearly prize horse in a shit dilapidated barn somewhere, mm-hmm. but also tied up, just tied up in a random barn. Like she's been wandering around this farmhouse for the day. No one has come up, come up to this horse to be like. Let me feed you or do anything. Horses take a lot of maintenance and care, especially ones as nice as this. I don't know if you nice know about this. this, but horses will die at the drop of a hat. Any, the moment it started raining, the first crack of thunder would have killed the horse. Yeah, poor Freckles thought of ants and died. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to see Amanda Seyfried trying to comfort a horse. At that point in the movie, I thought, or not Amanda, Lily James, which makes sense if it's Lily James who's meeting the horse. If Amanda Seyfried found the horse, <laughs> obviously because they are both prey animals with eyes on either side of their head, they would fall in love and be married. Yeah, true. Yeah. Give birth to a race of beautiful centaurs. <laughs> uh, so the horse freaks out because of the storm, pulls on the post that it is currently tied to, and just wrecks the entire barn. Yeah, completely destroys the barn. And so she runs out into the storm, terrified and looking for help. And wouldn't you know it, she finds the only other person on the island. A, a, a rich British hot dude, exactly her age. Yeah, a young Pierce Brosnan is there and... He's he's ready to get his hands wet 
and his dick wet. And also his Chang Chang. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I, so he basically does the exact same double triple lie to her, which he's like, I need help. There's a horse. And he's like, ah, well, you're lucky. I'm a veterinarian. You are? No, I'm an architect. Yeah. But I'll help you with a horse. <laughs> Fucking stop it. Everyone stop this. Why is everyone doing that? And so he... It's just like, all he, I guess all he really wanted to do was set up that young Meryl Streep is super gullible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Donna, as a, a like late 20-year-old or early 20-year-old, is just real gullible. <laughs> she just believes whatever you tell her, don't worry about it. Uh, so they save the horse. Hooray. This is the weird thing here is that the other two are both nice and put forward a case for why they should be in love with her. He just helps her with the horse, and then the next scene is them like boning down. Like There's no... like point where she's like I, I i like you as a person i think it's just the horse saving i feel like saving a black pony for some woman is definitely oh that's bone o'clock that's bone o'clock that's a rule because it's basically a black beauty moment oh yeah it's yeah you looking like a sexy 2018 year old guy is uh showing up moist and horse. basically like shirt open rescuing and you, a horse you saved a beautiful horse with me and now i must fuck you yeah i I feel like that was just the cards were stacked (laughs) but luckily she manages to fall in love with the only other white person on the island that was lucky huh yeah yeah i mean good Good job there that's definitely a a theme that seems to continue all the way through this and uh she makes friends with the local band yeah there's a band playing an abba song and it's honestly might be the best performance of an abba song in the movie because it's sung by like a dude with a thick greek accent and backed up by an accordion style roma band that's like fire kisses or something and i was like this is great this is great this This is is a a great cover because it does something that isn't just sing the song yeah except add more singers to it so it feels like a musical which is the way they do everything else yeah i'd say the only other ones that are that good are the share covers yeah, because Cher's, you know... You know, Cher. Uh, Cher. She, she deserves every penny that she... But anyway, this dude sings an amazing... It's kind of like Moulin Rouge, the guy who sings Roxanne. Yes. It, it had that kind of tone to it. It was rad. Uh, and then she gets up and sings a song, and so he's like, oh my god, you're an amazing singer. You may work here in this bar as our singer. Yeah. Great. Great. Good. Glad she got a job. And now she sends for her two friends to come out there and meet her. And uh, eventually, we find out before the friends even get there, that, uh, like, during the week that she is hanging out, because Pierce Brosnan was like, oh, I'm only going to be here for another week until I go to my pre-planned life as, uh, like, I've got a good job and everything set up for me. He lives in that farmhouse shack, by the way. He lives in a shack on the side of the hill. Yep. He doesn't know whose it is, and he's just living there for fun. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) right before it would be time for him to go, wouldn't you know it, Donna finds a picture of him and a woman. Well, she tries to convince him to stay there forever with him, and he's like, I can't, but it sounds like a wonderful dream. Yeah. And then and then she sings a song about how dedicated she is to life and how she loves living it, and she finds a picture of him with another woman. And the weird thing to me is she immediately knows that that's his fiance. like doesn't even go, hey, let me confront you, who is this? Because mm-hmm. it's just it a photo his of- sister. Yeah, I'm like, it's a photo with- him and a woman. Mm-hmm. This could be a sister. This could be an ex. This could be a friend. Yeah. You don't know anything. What if, hey, what if you got, you got to ask him? He might say it just a friend. <laughs> but he says he's just a friend. Yeah. And then she'd be like, you, you got what I need. <laughs> Some 20-year-old British dick. Ah, <laughs> uh, So the fact that she takes that and then it is immediately like, 
oh, is this your fiance? And he's like, yeah, you got me. Yeah, she, I'm a big dumb Because he's like, hey, would you just listen to me? And she's like, I will listen. I will listen to your answers to my questions three. <laughs> <laughs> Are you engaged to this woman? Yes. Did you tell me you were engaged to a woman? No. Did you ever think I would forgive you? Obviously, yes, or I wouldn't be in here trying this. <laughs> and then they sing a song about leaving, and they leave. Yep. So now she's just on the island by herself. Mm-hmm. By her lonesome. And uh, the parallel of what was going on with the Pierce Brosnan story, uh, young Pierce Brosnan. A with, storm is coming. With the Amanda Seyfried one is at the same time the storm thing was happening with the horse and whatnot, mm-hmm. a storm hit the island which fucked up the grand opening decoration. Right down to the same to Andy Garcia predicting it was coming. Where he was oh, like, yeah. I can feel it in my old Mexican bones. A storm is a coming. Like, yeah. But it, there's there's no clouds. How is a storm coming? And then like an hour later, torrential downpour comes from nowhere. And just destroys all of her preparations. But even then, I'm like, lady, you live in on an island off the coast of Greece. Of course storms are coming. Like... You'd think you'd at least go like, hey, let's tie some shit down. The second, like, Andy Garcia went, hey, man, uh, there's, there's going to be a storm. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe like, put a tarp over this or something. <laughs> maybe we have him take it down and put it back up. It's just bamboo poles. Yeah, it's just poles it's and just- some, like, uh like flowers and stuff that are in vases. Oh, I can't possibly bother with that, Senor Sinfuegos. I need to adjust so many bow ties. I need to go around to all of these ridiculous little peasants and make sure that they look spitspot. Ooh, your pocket square is slightly off of center. Let me get that for you, you ignorant little baby. You look so much like a Britishman in your dickies and spats. <laughs> look at you, you're almost human. <laughs> That's I hate that. But okay, so anyway... Pierce Brosnan heroically holds two of the bamboo poles Hooray. for a little while. And then they have a conversation about where, where Amanda Seyfried's like, oh, everything's ruined, and I feel like I ruined everything, and I feel like my mom would be disappointed in me. And he has to be like, no, she wouldn't be disappointed in you. She's disappointed in me because I was engaged. I disappointed her. That's how I know she wouldn't be disappointed in you. Yeah, I know what it takes. It takes <laughs> being a real huge douchebag. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyway... Uh, <laughs> He um he has this whole flashbacky memory thing, and then he leaves her alone on the island, and then young Christine Baranski and young Julie Walters show up, the dynamos. Yeah. They they come onto the island and basically are there to help they they do the same thing they do all the time, which is cheer up the main character. Yeah. They show up as support for the main character and also because they're gonna do one last show as the dynamos before they take off. So they're there to kinda do those things. Yeah. And and uh, sure enough, they get to do another song. They get to do Mamma Mia. They get to do sing Mamma Mia. Finally, someone sings Mamma Mia. Finally. And and just the thing we've been waiting for. And it's great because basically they start they start singing Mamma Mia because it starts kind of sad. You know, I've been cheated by you since something or duh, whatever it is. And I don't know. But like, so she's singing mad. Yeah, she's like, she's... I don't know how to sing when I'm not feeling love. Because she's pissed off at the Pierce Brosnan young guy. Yeah. So the whole I've been cheated by you because he was already engaged. You're like, oh, that's. That's nice for a good little, like, sad fake-out intro to the song. Yeah. I like the idea. And then the band guy runs out and kind of urges every single person in town to everyone, come. Everyone! Everyone who lives come. in this town, come see it ABBA! Is, it is 1979, and they are singing a four-year-old ABBA song! <laughs> no one on this island has heard it before. It is brand new to you! <laughs> and, and so they all come in to see basically the last bit of uh, that song, 
and everyone's happy again. Hooray, the end. Yeah, but when she you know falls it, off the, right as she falls off stage. Yeah, she they're dancing on the bar and they do a little like hip bump motion and she falls off the bar right into the waiting arms of menacing W pervert. <laughs> you mean good old Mr. Young Bill Skarsgård. Yes indeed I Be- do. Because he because they haven't fucked yet, and Lord knows we need to square that particular wet, greasy circle. <laughs> yep. So uh <laughs> so that's what happens. They they sit and talk while we follow Barans- young Baranski and young Walters outside. Walters is super hot. Young Walters is super hot for young Skarsgård. And it's great. It, it's a great scene. She's like, I want the young hot Scandy. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Why does me- she get everything? Me- oh, I hate this. I hate not being the main character. And then, then they walk over, you know, Scar- young Skarsgård and young Streep walk over and they're like, oh yeah, we're going to take gonna- his boat we're out. Gonna- we're going to take his boat out for, you know. What you know? You know what this is. <laughs> Look me in the eyes and understand that I am getting plowed now. <laughs> no, I want this to be more socially awkward. Know that my back forty is about to get plowed down. Christine Baranski's like, oh yeah, I know what that's about. <laughs> oh yeah, I get it, one hundred percent. You got to throw the back forty out when the front forty gets tired. <laughs> Look, you got to rotate the crops, if you know what I mean. I, I'm Christine Baranski, here to talk to you about crop rotation <laughs> in the groin. <laughs> so so the two of them leave, and then right as they are leaving, uh, young Pierce Brosnan shows up. And the lady who owns the bar and the farmhouse and whatever is like, you, you are a shit. You yeah. are a fuck, and you need to go. And I he's know. Like, I know what you did. It is pronounced karma, and it is pronounced ha. <laughs> it is pronounced karma, and it is pronounced. Yeah, ha. It's both. It's spelled. Th- thanks I for the word that is, joke. The up. word is karma, and it is pronounced ha. And it wasn't a very good joke in the first place. Ah. The good joke was was young Christine Baranski walking right up to him, and being like, "Hi, I'm visually attracted to you." <laughs> <laughs> Walks back again. It's like, look, I'm willing to forego if you're not rich. <laughs> yeah, and they just keeps walking. And the, her, everything that Christine Baranski, young or old, does in this movie is phenomenal. Yeah, just top to bottom gold. <laughs> if the movie had been about her, I would have been ten times happier. Right? Yeah. I was like, if this had followed her, and just like in the background, Mamma Mia was going on, but we followed her around. I'd be like, this is great. <laughs> she just sleeps her way through a bunch of disreputable looking dudes. <laughs> drinks way too much wine that would have been the best oh yeah just the sassiest bitch ever who is getting whatever she wants i'm like this is amazing and i want you to be the protagonist <laughs> so do i uh okay meanwhile they're off on the boat they go diving they they they, they, they find, find a, a pearl. pearl they find a pearl which even though she's the one who found the pearl he gives it to her yeah he's like here i'm the one that opened it so i for, get to give you this for you and she's like i found that pearl you shit which she doesn't say instead she instead she goes "Ooh, a man i Ooh. bet you don't even own this boat oh wait no you said you did <laughs> Ooh, a man i've been randomly fucked in a bit let's do this i like how she keeps having to give the i don't sleep around often routine i mean i like understand time- that that's the fun joke of like yeah. oh i don't do this i'm not that type of girl well except recently recently a lot <laughs> so she basically sleeps with him too uh and then now the circle is squared yeah the vagina has been plugged the requisite number of times and the baby making can commence. <laughs> now that she has slept with the three dudes, we can go ahead and move on. Now that she slept with the three dudes, the gate of Karash is opened. <laughs> now, just as the prophecy foretold, all will run red with blood. And Demion shall stalk the earth once more. <laughs> Azazel shall take his rightful place at the throne. The hog shall lay with the brawn. <laughs> The seven beasts will raise their head, and the crowns will shine out his glory. Vic will run the chicken mire. 
<sighs> so, <laughs> Colin Firth and Bill Skarsgård back in the future. They both get scenes where they go, you know what? Family's the most important thing. Fuck this. Yeah, they both have what is essentially a, like... Mid-80s, mid-90s era, I'm a businessman, and then I realize that I need to throw my cell phone in the ocean because family comes first moment. Yeah, right down to the mid-80s obsession with Japanese business culture. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're sitting there in a boring to- uh, Tokyo uh, 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 office. But by the way, we have to pass by a very, very prominent billboard for the Boruto t- uh, anime as well. <laughs> yes, well, that's how you know it's Japan. <laughs> Anyone gives a shit about Boruto. <laughs> Boruto is just Naruto's crappy kid. Yep. Uh, but but we have to watch the billboard real close. And bat- I think that's the closest thing we get to product placement in this. Uh, and then, you know, it's just Colin Firth going, I don't care about this contract. And then a, bre- a Japanese guy going, but Colin Firth, once this contract is completed, you'll own the biggest bank. Oh, you know, yes. The big bank? The biggest? You'll have the biggest of banks. What's the name of the bank that I own? Uh, Biggington's Bank? <laughs> What's the name of this bank? Uh, well, it's the largest bank, so it's BOFA. Yeah. You mean Bank of America? No. No. BOFA D's nuts! <laughs> <laughs> and then he just kind of goes, you know what? Family is the most important thing. Goodbye. Just sign whatever. The contract will be fine. <laughs> the, the contract's great. And anyway, then, do whatever you and, want. And everyone watches him leave, and no one's like, wait, isn't he like fired? Oh, no, of course not. He's far too white and wealthy. <laughs> we'll just do his work for him because he's a capricious weirdo. Yeah. That's how these things work. And Bill Skarsgård, instead of receiving the Greatest award Swede for ever. being a super awesome Swedish man, has his fat twin brother get it? I'm pretty sure. I can't tell if that's Bill Skarsgård's actual twin or if that was a fat suit. I assume it was a fat suit. I assume it's a fat suit. So he's in a fat suit telling a, an amusing story about his twin brother and a goat. Yeah. Um, and I can't tell who he's talking to. Is it his sister? I, God, I don't know. Because it can't be his wife because when he gets out to the island, he starts hooking up with Julie Walters. Yep. But it's looked like, because here's the thing about Bill Skarsgård that's a fun true story. Man's got eight kids. Yeah, the the Skarsgårds are like the Hemsworth, and like all of their kids are doing something. In yeah, there's show a, business. Like Stellan Skarsgård's the super hot dude on True Blood, and so on. So yeah, they're all over the place, and they all love to tell stories about how their dad, Bill Skarsgård, is the nakedest man in the world. Oh yeah, he just loves being dong first everywhere he goes. I love that. I, it, there's even jokes about that in this movie here and there. So, and there were more about more of those in the first one. Oh, good. So anyway, I was confused because it looked like we saw his family. Yeah, I even feel like he said, like, I want to thank my mom and my wife. Yeah, it's confusing. I'm not sure. Maybe we missed that, because by this point in the movie, I was very much watching the exit signs. so checked out. Yeah. Anyway, it turns out that both of them abandon their big priorities, make their way to that Greek island where they are accosted by the same old version of that rad Greek, like, passport checker dude the the best bit in this movie yeah where he sees Skarsgård first and he's like looks at his old passport photo and goes oh time has not been good to you my friend it has ruined you and then he sees Colin Firth and he's like you on the other hand sir have aged beautifully you you wear time like a tree or wine or cheese yeah (laughs) so that was that was pretty great and then the two of them hug it out real quick uh, and then they're like, but we just missed the ferry. We can't get to Kalokari Island, even though both of us are rich and I'm a sailor. Yeah, but wouldn't you know it, they go into a bar to think of a way to get there, and they are <laughs> immediately accosted by the guy that Skarsgård saved to be with his wife fucking, what, 
40 years ago. Yeah, Alessio recognizes this dude as that young, random, hot dude, and the two of them look nothing alike. Like, even with the first guy you meet looking exactly like a young Bill Nye, no one is further apart in looks than young and old Bill Skarsgård in this movie. Yes. So, but he's this Alessio character, who has not aged a day, immediately recognizes him and is like, Ah, opa, spadacopita! <laughs> Whatever. Uh, we cannot we cannot go fishing because the economic downturn has affected us. And they're like, oh, well, we're rich. Would you like to go to a free party on an island that was supposed to be for white people? But we're going to let you go, I guess. Uh, and- hey, there was going to be a big old party for millionaires. But what if you poor fishermen showed up instead? Yeah. And so, you know, they go to the, they, they all go together. And then right as a comedic moment happens where, uh, you know, Colin Firth has tied himself to yeah, a chair because that's his way of getting ideas. He falls into the water and oh my goodness, it's Sky. Sky Dominic, is also there. Dominic Cooper apparently shot for more than one day on this movie. That is shocking to me. And he's like, hey, you need a hand there, you old fuck. Yeah, <laughs> you piece of shit. <laughs> that literal line from the movie. I am deeply disconcerted with the fact that my girlfriend has three, or wife now has three dads, so I'm going to let you drown. <laughs> I'm going to narrow this shit down. Yeah. I'm fine with two dads, just like the old show, My Two Dads. My Three Dads is Too Many Dads. Too Many Dads, Too Many Dads. <laughs> it takes a lot to make a dad. Well, that's not true. It's just some cum. <laughs> uh, I, I was hoping you'd say that's not true. It's just some goo. That's fine. That's good, too. Then you got too many dads. I'm not going to keep doing it. Uh, okay, they, then they sail the boats to the island, and wouldn't you know it, they get spotted because it's a huge fleet of fishing boats sailing right to the island right before the party happens, and everyone's singing Dancing Queen. Yeah, which everyone dances, and everyone's real happy, and it great. Sure. I feel, I, maybe this is just me being a horny old goat, John, but you are. Every shot of the... And, and I am, and I, I, I'll admit to that, but every shot of the... the uh, the boats, there's a woman's butt that's being, even though they're, they're wide shots, ah! there's one woman's butt that seems to be the focal center of it because she's hanging off the side of one of the boats and bouncing up and down as hard as she can. <laughs> I, 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 I don't did know. not notice that, I, so okay, you probably it must, are. It must have just been me because I thought it was on purpose. Like, they're I, like, nothing is visually interesting about these fishing boats in this beautiful Greek island. Better put a really good butt right in the middle. I think that is just you, my man. All right, well, I have. I am an ass man till end of days. Well, there you go. Pull up to the bumper, represent. Okay, <laughs> so... <laughs> so they they all show up, and... There's a oh big good. dance number, whatever. Amanda Seyfried is so happy. Both of her other dads are there, and oh my goodness, Sky is there, Everyone's there. Everyone's happy. It's time to have that party, that and the, grand opening that they had planned on. And it's almost time to have that moment where she gets to have a brief word with her three dads about how much she loves them. But oh no, she does the Hollywood thing that sell is, that lets us know she's pregnant. She runs off and barfs. Yep. And we get that parallel of her mom barfing and... Uh, the whole thing of like, oh, I, I feel so much closer to my mom because now I know how she felt being pregnant on this island. And, and at this point, we, sh- we skip to the ABBA CD that was super unpopular and about moms, apparently, because the next three songs are all about like, oh, I've been waiting for you to arrive, my daughter, for my whole life. Yeah. There's like three of these, which I've never heard an ABBA song about that before. Most of ABBA songs are about having great 70s fucks. <laughs> Those great 70s fucks. Yeah. With various people in various crazy locations, like Mexico or Glasgow. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, then we get Grandma shows up, and we get the entrance of Cher. Hooray, Cher is here. Here's Cher. She's very glamorous, and she really looks like she's dressed like Lady Gaga. Yep. 
And Just for a minute, much. They, the uh, the Donna and the Dynamos get up with Amanda Seyfried taking Sophie taking Donna's role, and they sing a fun song about whatever. Who cares? And, and who at this point, possibly give a and, shit. And Cher, after having been introduced, has to sit and watch a song. And I was like, Oh my god, are they not giving Cher a song? The moment she is introduced, they should hand her a glittery microphone. <laughs> like she just walks onto set and just. From off screen, puts her hand out, and then it comes back with a microphone. No, yeah, she should have stuck her hand out and Thor hammered a microphone into her hand. <laughs> <laughs> As if it was foretold. This is microphone ear. <laughs> but instead, she has to watch her whole performance, insult it a little bit, uh, and then and then instead she is pointed out pointed to Andy Garcia. They had to come up with a contrived reason. Oh She's, yeah, it's like oh, well, where's my husband? Oh, I know. Senor Cienfuego will know. Oh, yeah. It's it's all just like, oh, I wonder what's going on. Well, you know, it's not just me. I had so much help, like from Senor Cienfuegos. Senor Cienfuegos. That's a very unusual that's, name. It's a very unique last name. <gasps> Fernando? Fernando. We had to come up with a way to get the song Fernando in here. Alejandro? It was <laughs> Alejandro? Shit. Hang Shit, on. I am Lady Gaga now. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I just love that they had to work so hard to get the song Fernando in. <laughs> that's that's the thing in my mind, because there are like four different fucking Broadway musicals that are, we took the songs of whoever and turned it into a musical. Yeah, like this U2 one and so on. Yeah. There's the like Frankie the, Valley one. The Beatles one. Yeah. Yeah. There's all of those. And in my mind, it's always just, all right. What fucking like gymnastic narrative work do you need to do to get to a point where they're like, all right, well, we got to put someone named Prudence in this musical because we need Dear Prudence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's going to be a real... It, it feels like you need to have a fun writer's room experience about this sort of thing. Like, how is this not already a comedy sketch someone's done? Where oh, like, yeah, where you just have the names of songs up and they're like, all right, how do we tie this shit together? Especially because that way you can start with a really terrible band. You know, you're like, all right, guys, we're, we've been hired. We're getting started. It's our first day at work. We're going to write the Papa Roach musical. <laughs> We need to have a way where the main character is a young ingenue well, we who's need full to of do, love. What we need to do is find a way to play anything but the one Papa Roach song people know. You see, she's hurt by love. She needs to cut her life into pieces so that she has more time to spend with all of her friends and family. Oh no, you see, what she's doing is she's starting her own hotel. It's her last resort. <laughs> yeah, the first three were a failure. <laughs> And now her scuba tank has run out of oxygen. <laughs> Suffocation. No breathing. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I'm sold on that shit. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like every time they do that, the writers just have to sit there and spitball. They're like, okay, can we add a character named uh, anyone, anything from one of the various stupid Beatles songs? The, we, uh, we need to add a character named Maxwell so we can have a silver hammer. Yeah, there's there's got to be a point where they're like, okay, here's our main story. We will not write in names for anyone in mm -hmm. case any song mentions a name. So anyway, she reaches out and yells to Fernando, and then they set another date for this movie, because we know now that, that Meryl Streep graduated Oxford in 1979. We know that Meryl Streep was conceived in Mexico in 1959. Yeah. Which means she graduated college at the surprisingly young age of 20 or 19. Yep. So she probably died somewhere between 49 and 51 years of age, and that is weird and I'm curious about it. It's very strange and no one mentions it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, they, they sing a fun song. They sing Fernando together. Uh, and then, pretty much at this point, the movie is more or less wrapped up. Yeah, it's just, just an endless fucking victory lap. Well, the thing that we have to say is, at the very end, she has her baby and... 
Uh, there's again another song about having a baby, whatever. Yeah. But they have to climb up to the top of the mountain of this fucking island because that's where the chapel is. Yeah, and they talk and, about how it was hard for Meryl Streep to have the baby because she had it in an undeveloped Greek village. Well, and it was by herself. She had yeah. no one but but Amanda Seyfried as a baby to keep her company. Yeah, and, the, and then Amanda Seyfried has a whole friggin' village that's dedicated to her, an endless legion of servants with slightly off clothes. <laughs> but... This is the point where Meryl Streep gets to come back and have one final song. Yeah, because she as, shows up as a ghost at the christening. Yeah, it's the song that Amanda gets to sing to her mother and with her mother as this uh, baptism is happening. It's the weirdest scene in the movie. I did not expect that Meryl Streep could get that many hot dogs in her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, given the plot of Mamma Mia 1, I assume she could. It was hey. a competitive hot dog eating. Oh, yeah, now I get it now. No, it's she dicks. was funneling it's a lot dicks. of hogs. No, I understand. <laughs> you see, I'm talking about wieners. <laughs> I get it. I was just really dedicated to my Ghostbusters cat. <laughs> she shows up and blows Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> and then it turns out it was all a dream. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's... Pretty much, you'd think that would be the end, because it's sort of the emotional closes. She has the baby, we get that back and forth. Another song about uh, mothers and daughters. Well, we get the back and forth between the two timelines of, like, I'm baptizing my daughter, and she's baptizing her daughter, and it's, like, in the past, this was basically empty, but now it's full of people from mm-hmm. her life, and you're like, oh, the the end of the scene is Meryl Streep, like ending the song and closing the doors to the chapel and it all goes white and you're like oh that's the way this movie should end because that's the emotional ending of this movie by the way right before that happens there's an amazing joke where Christine Baranski is super pissed off because Cher has come in and swept up the hottest guy on the island for old ladies yes Andy Garcia and he's like oh if only love could be found for my wonderful brother Rafael Sinfuegos and then another random like gruffly old Mexican dude comes in and she's like ah perfect and she (laughs) swoops on him like Batman (laughs) Oh, please tell me that his wife is dead. Oh, Oh, yes, she is. And if there was only some way I could fill that void, come with me. It was so perfect. Also, I guess at that point, Julie Walters and Bill Skarsgård are finally hooking up the way she always wanted. Yeah. Except now he's all age-ravaged. So that's where you would think the movie ends. Fades to white, you're hopeful. But it fades to white, and then refades out of white to black. And you're like... Wait, what the fuck is going on? Oh, no, that white light, that was a spotlight, and now it's time to do, like, as if this was a children's animated movie, an ending dance number with the entire cast. And they do Super Troopers, which is actually a pretty fun ABBA song, all things considered, but they do they do Super Troopers, and every single person's there, and everyone gets a chance to dance with the young version of themselves. Yeah, so all the... Like, original actors dance with their young actors. You have, you know, the one Donna and the Dynamos singing with the other Donna and the Dynamos. The nice thing is that they give Cher lead again because she's a rad singer. Yep. So that's that's awesome to hear. And then they pass it around and everyone gets a chance to sing. Yeah. Except for Colin Firth, who was completely <laughs> not interested. It's a I, great gag. I enjoy young Colin Firth is there just, like, singing around old Colin Firth, who is curmudgeonly sitting on a stool and just arms crossed and not having it. I kind of wanted him to just be like, oh, for God's sake, he looks like Bill Nye. Can't you find someone better? <laughs> Come on. He sounds and looks and his mannerisms are exactly Bill Nye. It's like you de-aged Bill Nye to be a young me. <laughs> this is intolerable (laughs) have you seen how i fill out a sweater (laughs) 
And oh. then a movie actually ends, I guess. Yeah, and then we get the actual but end th- of there the is movie. a post credit sequence where, where uh, Amanda Seyfried is indoctrinated into the Avengers, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, eventually. <laughs> you have a 280-degree field of vision. You're perfect. Nick Fury shows up and says, look, we're putting together an initiative, and I need you to join Project Hammerhead. <laughs> Are you amphibious? Oh, I've never mentioned it before, but yes. Yes, oddly enough, I can breathe underwater, and I have a swim speed of 300 miles an hour. And I have gills, of course. Obviously. <laughs> and that's that's uh, that sets up the sequel, Mamma Mia 3, The Hammerhead Project. <laughs> yep. Uh, Mamma Mia 3, The Infinity War. <laughs> oh, okay. So there you go. There is Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. We are... <laughs> going to do our best and worst. Jeff, give me the best thing of this movie. It's the same thing as the best in the first movie, Christine Baranski. I, do you want to narrow it down to one thing? One Christina Baranski thing? Yeah, give me a moment. Okay, the best Christina Baranski moment is the be still my be- beating vagina, and then when she gets closer to the guy, she just immediately goes, have him washed and brought to my tent. Yes. <laughs> that's that's definitely the best scene in the movie, is is her straight up unabashed. Per- it's perfect. Yeah. I love Christine Baranski in general. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I love her in everything she's in, and she's one of the few people in this movie who has... Well, actually, this one's full of real theater-trained people, because of all the young actors. Yes. But in the first movie, she's one of the few who had real Broadway training, and it was so good to have her. <laughs> it's nice for you to be here. Yeah. I was like, oh, thanks. She's a Thank ray you for of elevating this to another level. Yeah. So, what about you? Best thing in the movie? Uh, Best thing in the movie to me... Uh, I mean, I kind of want to also say, I'll, I'll take like <laughs> poor Christine Baranski. I'll take young Christine Baranski's <laughs> moment where she Hi. tries to hit on young Pierce Brosnan. Hello, I just want to say I'm visually attracted to you. Yes, like <laughs> so. that's a great scene. The whole <laughs> like it doesn't matter. Look, I'm willing to put aside if you're not rich. That's great. I love that. It was so good. So so basically, we're just going to say the MVP of the movie is Christine Baranski or people doing Christine Baranski impersonations. <laughs> yeah, Christine Baranski and her young twin. Yeah. They're the best part of the movie. Whoever it was, they got to do young her fucking spot goddamn dog. Perfect. It was it was absolutely perfect. It was hard to get a Julie Walters that looks exactly right because you, it, Julie Walters is one of those people where when, they, when she gets old, you can't tell what she probably looked like when she was young. Yeah. So you don't know, but it's fine. It's it, she does a great job. Yep. Yeah. So there you go. And worst thing in the movie for you. That's a lot harder in this movie because mostly it's just bland and inoffensive. It's true. This is very much the like vanilla pudding of movies where you're like, oh, this isn't what I wanted, but it's fine. But you know what my least favorite thing is because I had mad beef. You have super mad beef. I wanted her to fall in love with a young Frank Zappa, a young Thor, or, or uh, like a young Thor Holland. Basically, yes. I wanted to fall in love with young, crazy, late 70s rock stereotypes, which is what she was originally doing in the first movie. Yep. I wanted those characters to come out in straight-up punk costumes and shit, and I, I was looking forward to that, and I thought it would be rad. And it didn't happen. Instead, they could not have been more bland. Yeah. So that's my least favorite thing. You? God, honestly, I almost want to say that same thing, just because everyone was so just generically current modern day pretty and there's no personality like all they could do is add the 70s costumes to the people in the background of shots like all these people in like orange and brown sitting in the distance yeah the i want to say for me probably the worst was young pierce brosnan who had nothing going for him at least with young colin firth you're like oh you're like an awkward, weird virgin, and you kind of have a personality. I mean, you have to appreciate his straightforward tact. Yeah, the his whole, whole like, point of him was he was like, 
look, you need to put your bag on your other arm so that I can casually brush your hand, and then we can, in a natural way, hold hands. And then he's like, let me put forward the argument for why we should sleep together tonight. And I'm like, you know what? That's a terrible pickup line, but... It's terrible, but at least it's a personality. I like the brashness of it, yeah. And the same thing with young Skarsgård. He's very vanilla, but at least he's like, I'm a young boating man, and I've got this sort of, like, uh, fall in love at the drop of a hat thing to me he's kind of a han solo type and and it's fun he's got at least a personality young young pierce brosnan is a fucking plank of wood he's a blank slate and basically it's like good good romance character good romance character romance character from a 13 year old's novel yeah that's that's what you get because he's like what what does he do he's vaguely handsome and in the distance he is handsome and interested that's what he's got going for him oh are we going to talk about how we had sex with him he's going to be the one person we don't show them in bed together because that because because imagining the two of them having sex is icky and gross and unpleasant but if if they just fall in love and rescue a horse well that could not be more romantic i'm going to write mrs brosnan a thousand (laughs) times in my journal that's that's what they give to him and it's sad yeah it's the worst i'm going to say that was my my least favorite thing is young brosnan has had nothing to do. Not not the actor's fault. But no, it no. was just he had nothing. Yeah. That character Terrible. was nothing. Terrible part of the story, basically. So there you go. And uh, we're going to give our rating for the movie. We're both going to give it a 0 to 5. Gives us a rating out of 10. Jeff? Two. Uh, I'm going to give it a 2. I'm, I'm going I'm to keep to a 2. I don't really care about this movie. I don't want to watch it ever again, basically. Uh, it's not like where I'm, I'm going to rush out and buy the album. No, uh, it, the things I enjoyed about it, I did. I did greatly enjoy, but they are not worth sitting for the, the entire movie to see. Like I was like, oh, sweet Christine Baranski stuff, great. It's like eight percent of the movie, great. Yeah, that, and that's being generous. <laughs> so a two, maybe a two and a half, two and a half. You? Yeah, I'm. I debated between two and two and a half as well. I think I'm going to give it a two and a half because it's. It's non-offensive, but there was more, like, I had a couple decent chuckles during the movie, Mm -hmm. so it tipped over from two, which would be, it was boring, and I didn't care, there was nothing to really sell it, where two and a half is, it was boring, but at least I got anything out of it. Yeah. So, you know, it was two and a half, because at least I could get a couple things. There were a few points you could latch on to. Yeah. That's the highest rate I'm ever, I'm ever going to give one of these movies where people are just idly rich and you don't have to think about it. Where, where everyone's just like, oh, I could just charter a private boat. Whatever. Who gives a shit? I'm fine. And then the next scene, I could pretend to be poor. Yeah. The I mean, the only thing it's got going for it is the whole musical idea behind it is, oh, they're... As rich as they need to be because the musical demands them to do a thing. So mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, whatever, sure, yeah, it's fine. Got, it's got a lot of magical musical realism, which I actually really enjoy. I mean, my favorite movie of all time, normally speaking, is Moulin Rouge. Yeah, and I love that. And this movie, sir, is no, no Moulin Rouge. It's not even close. <laughs> even Moulin Rouge is all pop songs, but at least it varies it up a little bit. Oh, yeah. The it's nice thing about using interesting ways of doing yeah. them. And the nice thing about using every pop song is you don't have to come up with a character named Fernando in, in Greece. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't have to work, you don't have to work as hard. Yeah. So, there you go. A 5 out of 10 is our rating for Mamma Mia. Here we go again. Eh. Thank I, you. I actually would have given a lower rating to the first movie, if you were curious. Oh, well, It would have probably go. been a 4. So, thank you so much for listening. We have been Movie Mastery. We will be back in another couple weeks with more of the movies you want us to watch. You can, of course, go to SystemMasteryPodcast.com, our website for all of our System Mastery nonsense. We've got our show, System Mastery, Movie Mastery. We've got Expounded Universe. We've got everything available for you there. And if you like 
what you hear. You want to support us. You want to make sure that we can keep seeing just the worst goddamn shit and coming back to report on it, then you can support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash System Mastery. Support us at any level. Anything helps, keeps us with the lights on, although right now we're recording in the actual literal dark. It's just helping the room feel colder. We're in the middle of a little San Diego heat wave. And unfortunately, my AC seems to turn off all the power in my house. Yeah, anytime you use your AC unit, it just destroys everything. Yeah. Thankfully, it happened in the middle of recording, but the computer managed to save it, so Mm -hmm. thank God we didn't have to restart this. Yeah, we didn't lose a single terrible gag. Yay! So, (laughs) we will be back, as I say, in another couple weeks. If you want to provide a movie for us to watch, you can go to reddit.com slash r slash system mastery. We've got our big list of movies there. And, of course, if you go to system mastery dot or podcast.com and go to the movie mastery tab that's where we keep our polls for what to see in theaters. follow us on our web web ring subscribe to our rss channels yeah. find us on irc find us on facebook and twitter as not a joke we are <laughs> no, there at are system mastery fine do real things system mastery at gmail if you want to email us anything but we will be back later with some more nonsense but until such a time you have a good one <laughs>